And welcome into episode 15 of Priming the Pump, the Ag Spray Equipment Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Danley. Thank you so much for joining us here. Appreciate you liking and subscribing to this podcast and making it part of your, uh, I don't know, your podcasting repertoire, your downloads, the stuff you listen to for 15, 20 minutes when you're on that drive somewhere and you flip through 17 radio stations and you can't find any Merle Haggard, so you want to listen to me. I appreciate that. I appreciate that a lot. Thank you very much for uh, joining us on Priming the Pump. Uh, as always, uh, we try to keep things short, brief, and to the point. And that's what we're going to do today as uh, we're going to be talking fertilizer on today's podcast. And needless to say, um, fertilizer, very big subject right now in the world of agriculture. Prices uh, skyrocketing, moving up very quickly. And uh, there's a lot of scuttlebutt, a lot of talk out there in terms of uh, what that's going to do for uh, the crops that get planted next spring. Uh, Because there are guys thinking, well, if it's going to cost X number of dollars for me to put down fertilizer, I'm not doing corn. I'm going to do beans. So let's talk to a guy uh, that has got uh, a a little bit of a background in that world, and, and that is today's guest on the podcast. Joined now by Josh Linville of Stone X. He is the director of fertilizer. Josh, hey, thanks for taking time to talk to us. Yeah, absolutely. There's been a couple of weird things happening in fertilizer, so it's been kind of a popular topic here recently. Yeah, you know, it was all summer long, kind of watching it going, okay, that went up. All right, that's up. Oh, hey, it's skyrocketing right now. And uh, it, it certainly has filled up my timeline on ag Twitter the last week or two as, as guys are getting crops out of the field and trying to figure out what they're going to do next year. And, and, and it's, uh, it's obviously a, a major subject right now uh, just because of how uh, much prices uh, have changed or how, many, how much the price has changed uh, compared to last year at this time and even from mm-hmm. two months ago at this time. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's one of those things where we have been higher priced than where we are today. You know, you look back at 2008, and we have been obviously higher priced. There is still, still more upside to it. But the thing that is so odd about this is we started near historic lows. I mean, all the fertilizers were near historic lows. And here we are, I mean, 12, 15 months later, and we're challenging those highs. It's, I've just, I've never seen a turnaround like this in my career. Breaking things down, you know, to, to its very core, and maybe for the layperson out there that, that, that is not breaking this down on a daily basis like you, what's doing that? What's driving it? I, I've obviously done a lot of reading, so I know some of those answers. But for the person that's just tuning in today, what what has been that driving, driving factor of, uh, of why that price is going up? Yeah, and, you know, every single product has had a different route to where it's at today. But they all kind of started with the same thing. Um, you really, when you go back to last fall, it was a derecho event mm-hmm. and that was kind of the trigger point. That was the, the pin where all of a sudden it broke upwards because before that, a lot of the farm gate was out there. They weren't talking about putting on fertilizer. They weren't talking about buying inputs for the 21 crop. Most of the guys we were talking to were sitting there talking about how, I don't know how I'm going to cash flow this crop next year. And it wasn't just, you know, farmers trying to say, Oh, I don't have any money when they're just swimming in it. They literally were struggling with how do I make this work next year? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, the derecho event came across, and it blew out so many acres of grain across the I states, and grain prices started to skyrocket. At the same point, the government comes out with COVID checks. Farmers got a huge cash windfall from that, deservedly so. 
So it was this one-two punch where all of a sudden, in a very short amount of time, farmers went from, listen, Mr. Retailer, Mr. Supplier, I don't need anything for this fall. I cannot pay for it to, well, what are you talking about? Yeah, I know that's what I said last time, but I actually need all of my inputs, and I actually need to put on extra because with corn prices where they're at, I need to maximize yield, so I probably need 125% of what I normally need. We went from no demand to substantial demand, and we have been playing catch-up ever since. And then, you know, that was the story through the remainder of 2020, and then 2021 has just been a perfect series of events. I mean, it is geopolitical situations and energy crisis, which is going on. COVID delaying a lot of plant repairs around the world, which now we've got to catch up on. Hurricane Ida busted out a bunch of... uh, production. Uh, it just, the list goes on. We could write a book about what happened in the last year and we, uh, it would probably have to be a series in order to capture everything that's happened. As I, you know, go through some of the things that, that you have put out there in the last couple of days, I, I have learned a lot more, I would say, uh, about the international market than what I ever did before. And just recently, uh, you kind of threw a, tr- a tweet out there about Belarus. I've never think of Belarus. Why would I think about Belarus? Well, why, in the scheme of fertilizer, is that uh, important uh, on a global scale? Well, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, and it's it's very, very easy. Uh, my family farm is in northwest Missouri, right? And you don't think about the rest of the world. You just think about what is going on in northwest Missouri. Well, the problem is, if something happens in China, I don't care if you're the biggest farmer in the entire United States or if you're a small one like we are. It matters. So Belarus, for example, if something were to happen and that country just completely shut down, they represent 16% of the world potash operating capacity. So what happens is if, let's say, there was a war between the Ukraine and uh, Belarus and they had to shut that down, the world just lost 16% of its operating capacity. It does not matter what part of the world you live in. That is going to affect your price. You don't remove that much of the uh, the production, 16 million tons, and not have it affect overall prices. When I listen to you know some of our customers and, and, and even some other podcasts and uh, people on the web, I, 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 I'm, a, I'm a person that usually tries to play pretty middle of the road when it comes to... Oh, the geopolitical nature of the world and all that sort of stuff. Now, I, I do hear people, for lack of a better term, uh, focusing a lot on China and saying a lot of things about China and China, 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 this and that and that. Yep. T- talk to me about the China right now and how it's affecting our fertilizer market and, and what's what's true from what we're hearing out there and maybe what's an exaggeration of what's going on out there. It, yeah, so, and I do the same thing, right? I spend a lot of time tracking China. And the reason is, from a urea capacity standpoint, the world for, uh, numbers are something like 180, 200 million ton of urea each year is produced. China is one third of that. So when China is exporting heavily, well, the urea market feels pretty flush with tons. It feels like there's more than enough product to go around and prices are under pressure. When they start shutting down exports and they, they keep it all home for domestic farmers, the world feels tight. Same thing on the phosphate. They are 39% of the world operating capacity. They represent 32% of the world exports. And so what's been going on over there is, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about the European natural gas price, uh, price spikes and Asia is starting to fall suit. U.S. natural gas prices are moving up slightly, not enough to even begin to touch uh, production rates, but it is chewing into producer or, uh, production margins. In China, there's been reports that there's been a lot of blackouts across the country there. They have their own energy situations going on. And so between that 
and fertilizer prices already being ridiculously high compared to where they were, the communist government is doing what they're meant to do. They are going out to the producers and saying, listen, you are going to take care of Chinese farmers first. We don't care about the rest of the world. You keep the tons home. If you have contracts in place, you're going to reduce the tons. If you don't have contracts in place, you are going to stop those exports. And so all of a sudden right there, we lost, I think the 32% represents of like 4.5 million ton each year. You don't remove 4.5 million ton of anything and not have it affect prices. If you reduce the supply, global prices rise in response to it. So as as the United States you know moves forward looking at fertilizing you and if that that Chinese supply has been taken away uh is there another supplier another place another uh, uh, another production plan I guess you could say out there uh to make up for those lost tons or are we now in a situation where we kind of got to start scrambling to figure out what we're going to do Well and we don't get a lot of product directly from China uh, the Chinese situation is more of an indirect move. When you reduce the entire world's supply, all prices go up, and so our prices go up with it. Mm-hmm. Our biggest situation with phosphate is that uh, last June 26, 2020, Mosaic filed for a countervailing duty case against Russia and Morocco. There was already a duty case against China, which is why we don't see product come directly from there. And I think that duty rate sits at about 25%. There's a a whole world out there that they can go to and not have to pay 25% of the price. So long story short on this duty case, Mosaic was successful. The uh, the ITC and the DOC boards agreed. They uh, placed duties against both countries. That was a big deal because now all of a sudden, Mosaic basically controls almost 90% of the world, either through ownership, through that country producing a lot, but they don't export, or having duties against those countries. So we've we've actually been struggling here for about a year trying to figure out where do we find adequate product. And that's why product is so tight out there. It's just very, very hard. Now, we've got different places like Jordan has pinned a 400,000 ton agreement with uh, U.S. imports. And we've seen stuff coming from Saudi Arabia. But, of course, Mosaic has partial ownership in that. But, you know, phosphate is extremely, extremely tight. And there's a lot of conversation, a lot of questions like, will there be enough to go around? And. I'm always an advocate of saying, listen, you'll always find if you want something, you can find it at a price. But this thing could get tied enough this fall. If we don't kill enough demand, I'm scared to death of what this price could look like in order to find yourself a truckload. So as as we look at things going forward, and and again, I revert back to some things that you, you said actually the other day on, on Twitter, uh, and that there's a lot of emotion right now. There's a lot of, of people, they say, well, you know, if, if this is going to happen, I'm going to do this. And they're allowing their emotion maybe to get the, the most of them right now. What's your advice for those, those farmers, those producers right now that are, they're maybe on, on the, uh, the edge of their emotion. Yeah. And that's, and listen, it's really, really easy for me to sit back in my chair and make a statement like that. It's very difficult when you're in the middle of it. And therein lies the biggest problem. Emotion is a part of everything. You own the farm. It's been in your family. You know, you're the one killing yourselves raising this crop. And so when you sit there and you see fertilizers, um, you know, urea, for example, in the Gulf of Mexico, you could have bought a barge last year, same time, under 200 bucks. Today, it's climbing. It's over $700. And we're seeing that at the retail level. We're seeing that at the farmer level. So you're seeing these prices and say, I'm getting screwed here. I'm paying far more than I ever have. And corn prices next year don't look very good. And the immediate reaction is for emotion to jump in and say, fine, I'm not going to plant corn. I'm going to go beans. I'm going to go wheat. 
that may be the right answer. And I'm not saying it is, and I'm not saying it isn't. And the problem is it's going to be a different answer for literally every farmer out there. But just be angry, be upset, take a breath, take a look at it, and just say, okay, if I, let's say phosphate, I can go without this year. I don't have to put it on. That's fine. But what's the ramifications of that? If you reduce, if you drop your phosphate application, are you going to hurt your yield? If the answer is yes, that's fine. And that may be the right answer as well. But if you're, if you lose your top end yield and the value of that top end yield is more than what you saved in the phosphate, well, that's actually a step backwards. And if you decide to switch from corn over to beans, for example, well, would you have made more money growing corn? And like I said, this isn't me sitting there say, telling anybody what to do. And everybody's answer is going to be different. That's what I'm saying. Everybody needs to treat their their operation like a CEO would. Take emotion out of it. Just look at it from a numbers point and just sit there and decide what is best for me, what is best for my operation, and then make that decision. When you look at the the major sources of fertilizer out there, you know we've talked urea, we got some anhydrous out there. You got you know different a lot of different ways that that. Uh, people utilize fertilizer to, you know, help their their operation. Is there one in particular right now that you feel like may be on the verge of, you know, a, a better opportunity, a better deal in certain regions, or that that maybe hasn't seen uh, the increase like the others have, or are, are we pretty much in the same boat across the board here? No, anhydrous this fall is a huge opportunity. Uh, now those numbers have been jumping rapidly here in the last seven to 10 days. Uh, the manufacturers of those products have started to figure out, holy crap, you know, urea and UAM prices are sky high and hydrous is just ridiculously cheap in comparison. We need to move these prices up. And so that is starting to happen. But even with the price increases that we've seen, it still represents the cheapest route forward for putting on nitrogen. Uh, my advice to my dad was. As soon as you fire up that tractor and start pulling that toolbar, that seat better not ever get cold. <laughs> Don't turn that tractor off. And I even offered, you know, if I need to, I'll work at my desk all day and I'll come take the nighttime shift. Do whatever you have to. I don't care. You may own this, you know, Mother Nature ultimately decides our fall. And if Mother Nature steps in and it's cold and it's wet and we only have a couple of days to get stuff on, we better make the best opportunity of those couple of days. Don't miss out on getting the stuff on because it is so cheap compared to where it should be right now. Yeah, and as you said, you see that price start to rise a little bit more and move up a little bit more. I know even, you know, the location that I manage for, for Ag Spray up here in Fargo, we see a lot more in Hydra, especially in western North Dakota. Uh, I know that there are people out that direction that are, that are firing up the, those toolbars and getting them going because – uh, they understand they need to, uh, you know, get get some gas in the ground, as they like to say right now, yep. to make things a little Absolutely. easier come spring. Yep, and, and we don't want to do anything dumb, right? We don't want to do it when it's too warm. We don't want to do it when the uh, the, you know, the counties or whoever don't want us out there doing it. You know, we don't want to push it so bad that we're getting outside what is safe, but we don't want to miss an opportunity either. So it's it's riding a it's riding a you know the razor's edge, riding the fence there. That is for sure. Now, you know, Josh, it's been it's been great talking with you here on the show. We've talked a lot specifically about fertilizer, fertilizer prices, and and everything that's going on there. Uh, we didn't really give a proper introduction to you. Tell us a little bit about uh, Stone X and and what you do for Stone X. Yeah, so I oversee the fertilizer group, and I've been here. Oh, what's it been? Two or three years? It feels like a decade already. <laughs> but what we've been doing is a we're trying to educate the marketplace. 
one thing that's always bothered me throughout my 20 years in the industry is the lack of information. A lot of the retail sector and a lot of the farmers out there are being forced to make a purchase decision on something they know very little about, and it's the biggest single cost per acre to their operation. And that's just always been crazy to me, but that information is always guarded very, very closely. You know, knowledge is power. And when you're a trader or a supplier or something like that, you want to keep that to yourself. And so the retail doesn't get a lot of information uh, from those up above them. And of course, farmers can't find it either. So we're trying to do a better job of getting the information out there, teaching them how to do it. And then on the flip side, there's a fertilizer paper market. So what we're trying to do on the retail sector is A, you know, right now is a perfect example. How can you justify putting in a ton of physical product when the farmer may or may not need it and take that price risk? Well, now we can use the paper market. We can put in the physical product, but offset that price risk, kind of like what happens on the grain side. And then also take it a step further. The manufacturers control when they offer out the pricing uh, going out forward. Well, rather than wait for those guys to come out and tell us when we can buy from them, we can use the fertilizer paper now to start getting out even further into the future. Like this November, December, January, February, we should start to see prices that will help support building this, I'm sorry, spring 23 UAN programs. So we can now start taking advantage of cheaper uh, fertilizer prices in the futures and combining that with higher grain prices out in the futures as well. So we're trying to kind of do what the grain market did back in the 60s and 70s. Oh, excellent. And the other thing that you have, I mean, through through your company, you promoted it a little bit. Uh, you do have a newsletter. Uh, how can people get signed up for that? Yeah, uh, we. I, I do a farmer newsletter, and what I do every single month, I go through it, I try and say, hey, here's what's happened in the last 30 days, and here's some ideas of what might happen going forward. And listen, I, that's not always going to be right. I, I was right all the time. I would be living on a beach somewhere, and I am not. <laughs> so, <laughs> But uh, no, we've got that. It's actually on the, uh, the StoneX website, and if you've got somewhere I can share the link on the, there, people can go find that. It's kind of lengthy to try and spell out here. It's uh, what is it? It's like subscribe.stonex.com slash farmer dash fertilizer dash focus dash plan. Yeah, we'll retweet so, it. How about that? Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a mouthful. <laughs> we'll definitely help promote it. We do uh, appreciate you, uh, you know, coming on here. And you mean to tell me there's no beaches in Platte City, Missouri? What are you talking about? I've, I've been there. I could have swore I saw one somewhere. You know, there is, but it's connected to muddy water, which, hey, you know what? I grew up around here. I, I'm used to it. There there are worse places in the world. No, that, that is a, a great community. At, uh, in a former life, I used to uh, do some stuff with small college football and actually hosted uh, an all-star football game there uh, a couple years in a row. And really, of, of, of you know, small communities outside of major communities, Platte City has always been one that uh, that I've really enjoyed north of Kansas City there. it's uh, It's a great place to be. Yeah, I was gonna say, I, I grew up around here uh, just south of St. Joseph. Uh, I've been all over the world. I've lived in Wichita, down in Tampa, Florida. I've lived in Melbourne, Australia. I'm back home. I'm where I need to be. <laughs> that is excellent. Well, Josh, thanks for coming on the uh, the podcast with us here. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me on. He's Josh Linville, Director of Fertilizer for Stone X, and we thank him for joining us on the podcast. Be sure to check out the rest of our website, agspray.com, for uh, our new closeout section, the closeout section, brand new on the website. You can find that if you go to agspray.com. It's right there at the top, the old new closeout section. With that said, we're going to wrap things up for today. As in life and in pumping, always remember to prime your pump. You never want to run dry, overheat, or cause damage when you don't have to. So stay efficient and work hard. 
Make sure your pump is primed. This has been Priming the Pump from Ag Spray.